0: The scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is God's word.
1: Thanks be to God. Well, today we turn our attention to the Christmas season. If you didn't get the memo, uh, it is uh, Christmas season, and that's when lights and decorations come out. And in the church, we use this word Advent to talk about the Christmas season. It's a, a word meaning the coming Coming, the coming of Jesus. And we stand in this this time where we look back at his first coming and we stir longing for his second coming. And so, as we go off into this Christmas season, uh, there are a couple tools we have for you or things to encourage you during this season. On your way in, you should have gotten outside of the insert a smaller little one here that has just some readings. We'll uh, pass those out each week for you to have some readings throughout the week that kind of uh, gear towards this season and uh, the sermon series that we're going through as well as uh, invitation cards. And, and the idea with these is to put a note in it, put an envelope in it, and pass it out to coworkers, to neighbors, to family, to invite people out to our Christmas Eve services, which, uh, if you've done the math correctly, does fall on a Sunday. And so we have three services, ten thirty, two, and 4 o'clock. But as I said, we, we are kicking off a series that is aiming to point us to the love of God. Right, and this really every Christmas season, right? This is our goal. To stir within, to remind ourselves that the love of God as modeled and exemplified by the coming of Jesus pours out the heart of God. You want to know the heart of God? Look at the fact that he sent his son. You want to know what love is? It's not a song. Look at what God has done by sending his son. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. So we're calling this series, the, the nothing impossible, power unstoppable, glory. Let me start that over. The, the nothing impossible, the, the power unstoppable, the glory descendant. It's a tongue twister, isn't it? Maybe these, uh, maybe these kids will help us get it. There's a lot there. It's a tongue twister, right? They did a much better job than I did. But that's what this season is about the depths and the lengths He is willing to go for you and for me. And so may our hearts be prepared in that. Let's pray now as we jump into this specific story in Luke. Heavenly Father, we pause now to say thank you for your love where we know the story from the beginning is our own desire to take control, our own desire to decide what is right and wrong for ourselves. And in failing at that, we've committed treason against you. And yet despite that, despite us, you chose to continue in love toward us. Thank you. Father, I pray for our time this morning that I, that we would be receptive to the work of you, Holy Spirit, who has promised to move us, to mold us, to, to make us more like this Jesus. I pray that for here in this room, those joining us online. I pray it also for the churches around us. May you move in the same way in prosperity and Mech and Grace Church and Faith CME and Elevation and Scent Church and so many others around us. May you, Jesus, be made much of this morning. May our imaginations and our whole beings be taken aback by your coming, Jesus. And how we look to the moment where God, how you began making known the impossible to the world that through you, Jesus, we can find peace and love and joy and hope and life. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Again, so our hope is to point to these different areas. And today we focus on the nothing impossible love of God, which is a direct quote from verse 37 in the passage. In the ESV translation, it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. So this morning, what I hope to convey is how in this passage and its surrounding context, we see that that God works through the seemingly impossible. God works with the seemingly impossible in order to declare that nothing is impossible for God in order to display his love to the world. That's the picture that we see in this story and in the coming of Christ. Okay, so confession time. This is, this is bigger than, than my last confession. Uh, Amanda and I are now Hallmark movie people. <laughs> if you're a Hallmark movie person, I don't mean to offend you. We're with you now. Uh, so our Thanksgiving, we were up in the mountains with the boys uh, uh, outside of Blowing Rock in a cabin and, and uh, just talking about the joy of, of doing that over Thanksgiving with them and how one day we'd love to take the boys to see the Biltmore. And lo and behold, a commercial comes on TV that there's a new Hallmark movie coming out about the Biltmore. It's filmed on the location of uh, the Biltmore and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, as an aside, there, there are two actors in it that starred in Star Trek. Uh, and so that was a little pull-in for me too. But, um, so one night, the boys go to bed and we decide to watch this movie. And, and because all these movies have the same formula, I know I'm not spoiling anything for you, when saying it had a wonderfully happy Ending, but it starts with the typical trope, right? Of the main character, uh, something going on in their story, something happening, right? Where the main character is is in this movie tired of these types of movies. She wants a movie that's real. She wants a movie that tells a real story. Long story short, it's, it changes. She gets a happy ending which was real, but through unreal means. Now, what's my point besides admitting something that is very difficult to admit? These movies actually hint at a greater story. Ordinary individuals being brought into and through remarkable situations verging on the miraculous to bring towards hope, redemption, and unexpected blessings. I think they speak, and so many other movies, right, and so many other stories speak to this longing within us that even though we want something that tells a real story, that acknowledges hurt, that acknowledges pain, that acknowledges loss, but in the end, it will be made right. In the end, it'll be different. And in our story, we, in Luke, we see that happening. God breaking in working in and with the seemingly impossible. See, it's important to note that uh, Mary is in this situation. It was highly likely that she was very young, by our cultural standards, to be engaged, most likely anywhere from 12 to 15, to be engaged to Joseph. That was not seemingly impossible for their culture. But even more, the description of how this pregnancy would take place. But add on top of that, and why the statement is even there for nothing is impossible with God is because Elizabeth, her relative, is pregnant. And we see this in the, in the verses before 26, the story of Elizabeth as well. And we learn that Elizabeth and her husband are well past the age of, of having kids. Mary knew this, hence the response is nothing impossible with our God. Now, this, this, this should be an obvious point for us. The ancient world knew and understood how pregnancy worked and, and how uh, unlikely someone, as they got older, was to get pregnant. But in both, both Mary and Elizabeth's story, God does the seemingly impossible by bringing life through non-ordinary means. I get it. This story could be difficult for us to believe today. Maybe even possible for someone to believe. So we know, right, through science that this, this just doesn't happen. But I'll tell you what, don't realize that the difficulty of this story is not just for the modern era. While the first century didn't understand chromosomes and DNA and all those things, again, they understood how pregnancy happens. This story was just as impossible for them, and very easily it could have been viewed and understood as a cover-up to some moral failing, a cover-up to some social failing. And so remember, Mary, a young unmarried girl in a small town being told she will have a baby, this was guaranteed stigma for Mary and Joseph. Guaranteed. This makes a question rise in my mind about all this. See, God does choose to work through impossible means, and not all the time or not every time. In fact, we sang a song, right? Same God, I'm calling on the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Mary, the God of David. Time has spanned between their stories. And there were many times where he didn't break in and do the impossible. But what's to note here is that Mary and Joseph still had to carry the social stigma and rumors about it all, but they still had to follow God. In these moments, knowing he was doing something impossible, but many would not believe it and rather try and explain it away through some natural means that they're trying to hide something. So the question is, I wonder in our own lives, are we willing to lean into what God is calling us to, knowing full well it could cause others to talk? Are we willing to be faithful in something, to be present in something, and in some situation, in some way, knowing still that it could carry those rumors See, but not only do we see how God works through the seemingly impossible, we learn he works with the seemingly impossible. Now, to this point, I've not defined my word seemingly, but you saw that I've put it in quotes. Because by cultural standards, by worldly standards, it is seemingly impossible. By the world's standards, God does something with Mary and Elizabeth. In choosing to reveal himself and work in opposite methods and means. Sometimes we talk about this as the great reversal. The fact that God would willingly choose to to work in a way that the culture would go, Why would you do it that way? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, but throughout scripture, we see this. We see these glimpses of of God choosing the outcast, choosing the broken, choosing the lowly. I mean, again, that song we sang, the same God, I'm I'm calling on the God of Jacob. Uh, He was a cheat. And yet God worked with the seemingly impossible. Even in this story, Joseph's barely mentioned. We know an angel came and visited Joseph, but you read the rest of the gospels. We don't hear much of him. Many times God works in and through those in the culture who were viewed as lowly and outcast. Stepping in to reveal himself, not through the powerful, not through the social elite, but other means to point people to himself. Paul fully grasps this. In his first letter to the Corinthians uh, that, that we have, he writes in his opening that the message itself of the cross is seemingly Impossible. A few verses later in verses uh, 27 through 29, he says, he writes that God chooses the weak. God chooses the foolish, chooses the lowly so that no one could boast, but so that you and I could see just how far he's willing to go to prove his love and reveal and show his love to you and to me, that no one is too far gone. Realize, Mary and Joseph were nobodies. We often hang on to the fact that, well, well, Joseph was a descendant of David. that's true. But remember, almost a thousand years had spanned between King David and between Joseph. there were a lot of descendants of, of David by then. He was not the only one that God could have chosen to work through and say, "Well, you're the only one that's in the line of King David. Weren't there more well off descendants? Weren't there more uh, politically influential descendants? Weren't there more powerful descendants closer to the heart of the people of God in in Jerusalem and Israel? But God chose to work through these two so as to declare that nothing is impossible to display his love for this world. Nothing is too impossible for him to reveal his deep love for us. Uh, Recently, I was reminded of the movie Hidden Figures, and perhaps you've seen this movie, and it's a story of three African-American women, Katherine Johnson, Mary Jackson, and Dorothy Vaughn, who worked on the mathematical calculations to help launch John Glenn into space. They're not told what the calculations are for, just that they're supposed to to do these calculations in their own segregated little workspace. And it's an amazing story meant to to shine light on on the amazing skill and talent and giftings of, of people that are often overlooked by cultural standards. And again, like a good story or movie, it captures the whispers and the heart of the greater story. This is how God chooses to work, to point people to him. Unlikely heroes, finding themselves in remarkable situations, still having to face the stigmas and the rumors of what they are doing, but we see God wants to display his love to the world this way because it reinforces the message that nothing is too big for him, nothing is too difficult for him, and nothing is too impossible for him to reveal no one is too far from him. You see, I think there's another application for us. One application, again, I think is the call, are we willing to remain faithful even despite what others might say about us? That doesn't mean be a jerk, by the way. But it remains, be a faithful in talking about who Jesus is and what he has done. But I think the application goes further, and maybe us prayerfully considering how we get to be instruments of his seemingly impossible love to those around us. Because now that's our call. Not have to be the hands and feet of Jesus, get to be the hands and feet in Jesus get to be testaments to his impossible love that we have claimed and we say we is, is on us and share it with those around us. So after my mom died in 2021, my dad eventually felt called to, to find an avenue to serve. So he signed up to become a Gideon. And if you know anything about the Gideons there, if you go to a hotel and you open a drawer and you find a Bible, it's placed there because of them, Right? So what he does is now, and he shares stories about this, and, and, and he'll go to school campuses and things like that and not argue, not yell, not, not um, judge or anything like that, but just hand out New Testament Bibles. And, and there's some stories that he tells that are just amazing. One such story was a student tore up one of the Bibles and the pages ended up blowing away and around and another student decides to pick up one of them and the one that they read is is the one that leads them to saving faith in Jesus. Just as much as an impossible story as what we talk about at Christmas. And yet, it's nothing impossible for our God his heart is just to point people to this creator who so loved the world that he stepped into it and gave his life for us of course there will be people who will talk about it and say oh he's just one of those guys he's just one of those people that stands and just passes out the bible And yet the call to be faithful is to be an instrument of God's love in and through us to the world around us. We can't say it enough. God works through seemingly impossible means to declare nothing is impossible to display his love for the world. And I think, again, the question then for us is do we here in this room listening online realizing that he loves the seemingly unlovable to show you that you are loved and as we enter into this season, this Christmas season and celebrate Jesus, I wonder what it would look like for us to, to look at those around us, and I don't just mean in this room, although that may be the case, but to to is there a family member or a coworker or someone in your life that it would be seemingly impossible to display his love to for you? Like I get it, a tough challenge. And so maybe the first step is to just pray for that person and for you. Another seemingly impossible tool, by the way, but how we see God works in and through prayer to show it's his work, not ours. I was maybe a year ago or so talking to someone in the congregation about the idea of making breakfast for someone in their family who's deeply hurt them. And it stemmed out of something I preached on on a Monday, Thursday, and how Jesus, post the resurrection, uh, he makes breakfast for his disciples after they've betrayed him. And, And it's a metaphor, but I think it's powerful and applicable because it's only by our willingness to see ourselves first as receivers of his breakfast, receivers of his love, that our hearts can be softened to extend that to others. And I think where we fall down and where we struggle is we begin to believe the, 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 the whispers of the enemy maybe even that says, well, you know, I'm not as bad as, or God, you don't know what they did. I hope we say it enough. I don't stand up here. None of us stand up here to say that we've got it together, that we know how to do this that we're telling you like a good TED Talk what you should do that we've mastered. I need to hear this. I need to be reminded of just how far his love went for me and how far it means I'm called to pray for and lean into faithfulness to those around me. That if he showed his deep love by sending his son How can I not be moved to do that for others? See, I do believe that what transformed the first century and over time the world and is continuing to transform is the direct outworking of this amazing truth. That the the church in the first century cared so deeply for the poor, for the widows, for the orphans, for the outcasts, because they saw it was a direct application of Jesus who did from start to finish in displaying his love. That God being willing, wanting to use the humble like Mary to display his love to the world. And as we come to this table and we take time to celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's a testament to his love for you and for me. And to say that it's open. It's open for anybody who's hungry. So wherever you find yourself today, maybe you've known this story all your life. I don't know how many Christmas Advent ser- sermons I've heard and preached and Christmas Eve sermons I've heard and, and, and know the story. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing that God, is. there's nothing impossible with Him to show His love. And today, may you give your life to Him. Paul says in Romans, Confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe Believe in our heart that he rose again from the dead. You will be saved. We're all beggars pointing to the same God who loves so deeply that he would send his son to do what we couldn't, to die the death that we deserve, and to be raised again to life that we might experience it. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you. Thank you that you would pour your mercy and grace despite us. Thank you that you'd be willing to work in and through what the world would deem impossible so as to just show how amazing you are and how great your love is and the lengths you would go Father, I pray for our time as we come to this table may it be a moment where we do taste and see that you are good, that your love is great. I pray you would use these common elements to point us to you. In your name we pray, amen.